Hey there, everyone! Welcome, welcome! My name is Jack Packard, some assembly required here for The Escapist. Hello, I'm Nick Landra, the editor-in-chief of The Escapist. I come fully assembled. Dang! This week we're talking Super Mario Sunshine, Dungeon Death Ball, Bloodborne, Detroit Becomes Human, and Shadow of the Colossus in the mega super collection of all the games we've been playing. And then over in the news, Microsoft just bought Bethesda. But there's more! A lot more. <laughs> so hello and welcome. This is The Escapist Show. So Nick, you've played three games last week. I've only played two. So why don't you start with one and then we'll do a little back and forthy. Alrighty. Yep. Uh, uh, well, I don't want to sound like I have no life. Uh, just mostly no life. But uh, <laughs> so I finished Bloodborne this weekend and I really enjoyed it. Um, I think nice. I've, I think I finally broke that wall into getting the Souls like genre uh, because once I got going in that game, I just couldn't put it down. Uh, and I, I, you know, I figured out the gameplay loop like I was talking about last week. Uh, mm. I didn't get to sh fight the uh, the moon presence because I did the the normal ending, and I didn't get <laughs> all the umbil umbilical cords that you needed. I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I did fight the uh, the first hunter, and he's a bit of an asshole. But uh, <laughs> figured figured that one out after a little bit and took him down. And boy, that that sense of accomplishment you get from playing a Souls game that's addicting. I feel oh, it. Oh, it really like every boss you beat every new area you unlock it just it feels like you're you're checking something off a list and you get that little serotonin kick like Ooh, oh yeah. i can do more right yep <laughs> and then you're like oh i'm just gonna keep pushing forward and keep testing my luck <laughs> <laughs> and you know like bloodborne does that it does a beautiful job of really upping the ante with every new area you know like the monsters become this eldritch horror but you're still defeating them they get bigger they get bigger but then the, you know the, your final boss is just that that simple first hunter just the the person size fight which are always the, the harder fight yep um but anyways so i I finished that, and now I'm actually working through Dark Souls 3 on the Editor's Hour for my weekly stream, which you, you saw, and yesterday mm -hmm. I continued to play it more and made it past, like, two more bosses, I think, so I'm nice. doing, doing pretty good. I definitely, definitely like, enjoy these games now, and before I would play them, and, I, you know, you'd get killed right away and get killed again and again and get mm -hmm. really frustrated. You're like, okay, I can't do it anymore. And then once you break that, like that barrier of like just understanding mentally that it's like okay this is supposed to happen just go with it <laughs> <laughs> and so for all of this let me ask you something as, as someone who who's played you know most of the souls born games uh, I, well i've played all of them i haven't beat all of them but i've played all of them to me nothing still has the the scale and sense of wonder as discovering the first dark souls for the first time and i and i played dark souls 1 after i played bloodborne and after i played dark souls 3 but still like finally accepting dark souls as kind of the most beautiful thing in the world was really special to me mm -hmm. as a gamer. Is that your intention here? Are you going to go back to Dark Souls 1? Um, that's kind of my plan, so I'm kind of working backwards. You know, I did Bloodborne, now I'm doing sure. Dark Souls 3, which actually came after Bloodborne, but whatever, we forget about it. Uh, and then, you know, Dark Souls 2 and 1, I definitely want to check those out eventually, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'm more looking forward to Demon's Souls, which is pretty much the reason I'm getting the PS5 at launch now. 
because that looks so good i had to have it (laughs) so that's uh that's pre-ordered and taken care of but yeah you know it's uh been fun this year doing the uh the backlog challenge that i'm doing you know after this weekend i've finished 26 games this year now and i've found like three different genres i normally wouldn't touch and now i like them and now i'm like addicted to them (laughs) playing the souls games and then the tactical turn-based rpgs and Mm -hmm. and all that so Speaking of looking back at older games, I myself am going through Super Mario Sunshine. Now that the 3D All-Stars collection is out, uh, I as soon as I got it, I had a little bit of a delay in my delivery, but I still got it over the weekend <laughs> and have been diving into Super Mario Sunshine. It was one of my favorites uh, growing up. It still holds a very special place in my heart. It might not be like the best of the 3d mario platformers but in my heart it is the the flood device one of my favorite things is you know shooting water in front of you and then doing that little belly slide so you whoop uh all the different goopy monsters uh the horror element speaking of eldritch horror i don't know if you remember but one of the first bosses that you fight in super mario sunshine is a giant squid yeah and you literally have to tear off its arms (laughs) and it's actually kind of horrifying as an adult looking at that and i've been having a lot of fun playing super mario sunshine so the uh the ports worth the 60 dollars or should have been cheaper um because what i saw they didn't really do much to upgrade anything here's what i'll say and there's reports that came out they were from they were just like emulator ports they're not actually like built for the rebuilt for the switch at all Uh, that is i have a couple issues one is there's no like upgraded controls or menu options Uh, so for example in super mario sunshine i cannot invert my camera axis which uh, for me, that's how I play with my camera. I play it inverted and you can't do that. There's no like button reassignment options. There's no modern touches. So they didn't add uh, any quality of life features of these besides a menu that you can access all three games at once. Pretty much. Uh, for 60 bucks? Come on, Nintendo. But <sighs> I am playing Super Mario Sunshine on my nice TV and it looks really gorgeous yeah. still. You know, I have my GameCube and I have my copy of Super Mario Sunshine, but playing it on a modern TV looks super gross. And so, like, for me, it's worth it. I could absolutely understand the argument for anyone saying it's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, it's great to have those games again, but 60 bucks when you compare it to the other remakes and remasters. uh, I wish, like, you know, we talked about it and, you know, people are going to buy it no matter what but just like man sometimes you know you might ask for more from your favorite company pretty much i was i was really hoping for a few more options uh especially like i said in the controller like button remapping is a very common thing now even on consoles i would have loved that though i still love the game i'm still having a great time playing it Uh, yeah i mean just for 60 bucks (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know what? Yeah, even for 60 bucks, for me, yeah, it's yeah, worth yeah. it because then I'm going to go on to Galaxy and have a great time with Galaxy. Might even delve into the original Mario 64. Yeah, it's for me. But for anyone out there who says it's absolutely not worth it, I can understand that argument. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Nick, what else have you been playing? Uh, so I went back and finished uh, Detroit Become Human this week, and I, I had started it mm. like when it came out and then got through a big chunk of it and then 
weird like the problem I was having, which is why I'm doing the backlog challenge. I just start something, I forget to finish it. <laughs> you know, so yes. doing the backlog challenge is kind of like keeping me honest and keeping me wanting to finish and get things to the credit. So finally went back mm-hmm. and finished it. You know, it's t- typical Quantic Dream game. I wasn't that enthused with it, it or uh, I wasn't that impressed with it like there's there's some fun story beats especially like Connor's storyline is the detective and all that mm-hmm. um, he's got some like really really morally gray stuff that he goes into with his cop partner Hank and okay. uh, the story goes in a lot of interesting directions and the choices you think you're making are sometimes like r- completely reprehensible to Hank who wants to see you become human and you can choose you to play Connor as like the straightforward detective who just has his mission so I almost would have like preferred if the entire game was about Connor, because they have they have Kara and then uh, oh boy I forgot the other guy's name whoops <laughs> uh, Kara and then the other guy memorable was, character yeah he's, he's just not memorable really um, <laughs> and like Kara, Kara's storyline is kind of fun interesting because like she's you know she's the android taking care of a, a child with an abusive mm. father and then she escapes and then the other guy is basically uh, the one I can't remember for whatever reason. Uh, is basically trying to pull an iRobot and lead the uh, the androids to just get their rights kind of stuff. Sure. A little sure. bit very on the nose for current political stuff. Very mm. on the nose. Also a lot more relevant than I think they thought it was going to be with the protests in the game, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's an overall, it's okay game. I wasn't, not something I really want to return to. The, uh, the sure. breadth of like, different outcomes is really impressive though i'll say that because each time you finish a mission they show you the whole like layout of threads you could have taken oh, oh. it's kind of it's like overwhelming how many different <laughs> options there were and like that that's enough to make me want to go back and replay it, but i could also just watch it on youtube and not have to do all that there you go so yeah i'd, I'd recommend it if you you know you like the story choice based games it's nice to just kind of after bloodborne it's nice to just sit back and have a game play itself for me <laughs> yep i don't yeah. <laughs> but uh you were you were playing another game apparently i was playing one other game uh it is called dungeon death ball and it recently came to steam in early access oh so another game that you're gonna try and never put play again uh, well, I'll, I'll get my time in, and if they keep making uh, if they keep making changes, I, I go back to the ones that 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 earn it. It is Nick, a roguelike, turn-based tactical football game. Okay. Yes. Football is in American uh, football, or football uh, is in soccer. Football is in American football, okay. but not really football. What? So. It's it's dungeon death ball is what it is, and so basically you have two humans, and uh, there you know there's no story to the game yet. Very early access. Basically, all we're getting is a slice of the gameplay. Mm. You have two humans on your team, and you are facing off against a team of mutants or monsters or a little bit of both, and it's all turn-based tactics. And so on your turn, you can move, you can pass the ball, you can punch the enemies. <laughs> Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff you can do and basically all you're trying to do is get the ball over your goal line that's it the way it works it's really interesting i don't know if you ever got to play uh, from the fdl developers into the breach i've seen it never played it though it's it's very simple turn-based tactics and into the breach is more about moving the enemy than it is about defeating them Mm -hmm. is making sure they can't knock down a building or making sure they can't 
knock into you. And Dungeon Death Ball is very similar, where all of the enemies um, telegraph their intents. You know exactly which direction they are going to move. And so then the strategy is maneuvering your two human players to a spot where, like, uh, you know, uh, oh, for example, like some of the orange mutants are really attracted to the ball. They will immediately hone in on the ball and the green mutants just kind of go anywhere. Mm. And so like maneuvering the player without the ball to a safe spot, drawing all the orange mutants to the ball and then passing it to your other human player so he can get over the goal lines. Very fun, simple tactics uh so i'm, Sounds I'm like a puzzle game a little bit like a puzzle game exactly it's it's really fun and interesting and it has roguelike elements where you know if you don't make it to the end you have to start all the way from the beginning and your characters grow as they gain experience and it's a really neat idea i would love to see them expand on it a little bit more mm -hmm. uh, one criticism i have which is your, your play area is incredibly small. I think it's only four tiles by like maybe 10. And this, and you only get two players on your team. And so it sometimes you can get trapped or stuck or at least feel like you are trapped or stuck. So I'd love to see like a bigger play field, maybe with a third player, just, just so you can maneuver, have more options. Uh, but so far, I'm a couple hours in and having a terrible amount of fun. It's it's really neat and interesting. One of those games I have no idea how you found, but it sounds interesting. <laughs> I wish I wish I could tell you how I find any of these. Yeah, me too, honestly. <laughs> right? The, but but you know how the the algorithm's working because usually what I find I enjoy. So <laughs> wow, an algorithm working. That's the first. Good job, Steam. You did one thing right to there. You did it. Or maybe Twitter's algorithm, because I think that's where I usually find my game, is I follow oh. so many weird game devs, and then they share all their friends' stuff, and so I just go down a rabbit hole. Sometimes I wish Twitter's algorithms didn't work. <laughs> wonder what I'm referring to. <laughs> so, Nick... You've been playing one more game. A lot of gameplay this week. Yep. I uh, So I, I started Shadow of the Colossus a few months ago. Uh, I got infuriated, infuriated with the controls within the first like 10 minutes and I quit. <laughs> so, so this weekend, for whatever reason, I felt like going back and I stuck with it and finished it in pretty much two sittings. Uh, and I assume this is the, the remaster? Yes. Yes. Uh, definitely played the remaster and boy, is that world gorgeous. That's really, mm. really fun. It's it's such a like a I've never really played any of uh who's the guy Fumido how do you say his name? Oh, Fumudo Fumado Tomato. I'm still learning how to say the director of Arrival, Denis Villeneuve. All right, so I don't I don't know how to pronounce the the Japanese creator's name, but we'll go with Fumido. If I'm wrong, feel free to correct me. But uh, never really played any of his other games. I've never played ICO Shadow of the Colossus, The Last Guardian, or anything Ico. like that. Ico. Oops, whoops. Uh, so I've never played any of uh, Fumito's like, past games like Ico or Shadow of the Colossus or The Last Guardian, so I finally mm. dived in this remaster because, you know, Bluepoint makes amazing remasters. Because if you don't know, they're also working on the Demon Souls remaster. Same Ooh. team. But uh, so that, that world is extremely gorgeous. Like, I love that there was no UI at all on the screen when you're playing it. I don't, mm. know, I don't know if you've played it. Oh, of course. I mean, I played it back in the PS2 days. So have you played the remake too? 
I've not played the remake no, yet, so, but yeah, I they, remember fondly the original. Yeah, they, they modernized it quite a bit, but I know like they kept a lot of the same control scheme. Okay. And I did not like that. <laughs> what about it? What's been, like like what? the the horse is really tough to control at times. Like I, I swear to God, I ran into so many walls of that thing. It was so frustrating. Some sure. of the some of the climbing mechanics with the the massive bosses, understandably, I'm sure it was a technical challenge to really take care of. But mm-hmm. you know, uh, if I was if I was gonna play it for just purely gameplay reasons, I wouldn't really wouldn't stick with it. I mostly stuck with it for that world and. And seeing the different bosses come to life and mm. and all that, uh, I think I kind of wish they had modernized it a bit too, a bit more, mm-hmm. which I think is like one of those discussions we've talked about you and Yahtzee having for slightly Civil War is like how faithful should a remake truly be? Mm, yeah, yeah. AKA your Sunshine Port not having the control updates that you wanted. <laughs> you know, it's it's there. There's little things that we have now that would be nice, but then does that take away? from what made the thing special if you right. update it, right? And of course, once you start digging into code, you're going to start getting different bugs. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I think there was controller remapping in, in Shadow of the Colossus, and I, oh, I just okay. apparently didn't see that until the end. So mm. that's my fault. Absolutely. But still, <laughs> some of the some of the physics in that game were a little wonky. Sure. But overall, really enjoyed it. Uh, the story at the end kind of blew my mind a little bit, but... It was uh, cool to see how that developed over time with him kind of sucking up the souls of this bad guy and mm. being used, which you can kind of tell from the very beginning just by the voice, but it's fine. It's still, <laughs> oh, it's still fun. And, you know, it's it's really it's really great theming, you know, as far as, you know, conquering the unconquerable, even, even if when, you know, you get past these seemingly unconquerable colossi, there is still something you can't conquer. Yep. No spoilers. Okay, here we are in the news. Nick, Microsoft, one of the richest companies ever, bought Bethesda. Oh, they didn't buy just Bethesda. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a a dumb bit, but I like it. (laughs) So no, but Microsoft didn't buy just Bethesda. They bought ZeniMax, which is the parent company of Bethesda, who owns id, Arcane, Machine Games, uh fuck so many other devs i, I can't even name them all <laughs> off anymore zenimax online some mobile developer sure fuck ton so of developers like, so like this isn't just about getting like the catalog for bethesda softworks you also get you also get doom you get wolfenstein you get arcane studios who made dishonored um, and prey and yes and yes, uh, quake like, and the whole library of stuff. Games Pass this, just got really interesting. <laughs> say that. They just bought a ton of intellectual property, oh, yeah. games-wise. Yep, and they paid a hefty sum for it of $7.5 billion. I would b- absolutely believe that. Yes. Oh no, that's what they paid. <laughs> this, this is what I'm saying. Like I believe, like oh. this is this is very similar to like Disney's purchase of Pixar or Marvel. Like Microsoft just gained heavyweights in the gaming industry oh and a lot of heavyweights yeah yeah so the question now becomes you know bethesda has released their games on other platforms for a very long time now mm-hmm. even though like uh morrowind was originally only released on pc and xbox oblivion mm-hmm. was actually an xbox exclusive for quite a while oh yeah like i think people forget that like our xbox originally the 360 had a much stronger lineup than the ps3 like Mass Effect was originally exclusive to Xbox before they ported it to PlayStation. 
Oblivion was. Uh, I don't remember anything else, but <laughs> there's, there's probably there's probably more. There was a lot of big big name exclusives on the Xbox, so mm-hmm. yeah, they bought a ton of IP. Uh, they just bumped up their first party studios to 23 total studios now, mm-hmm. and then that begs the question of like what's going to happen with IPs like Elder Scrolls and and Doom, which have been on all the platforms for quite a while now. Most famously, Skyrim, which is on everything ever forever. Right. So uh, that's that's kind of what everybody's wondering about right now is like what you know Elder Scrolls Six was already announced, Starfield was already announced. Mm-hmm. So are these games now going to be locked to PC and Xbox, or is Microsoft? Because obviously, like Elder Scrolls is going to sell millions of copies. Oh yeah. You know, uh, do you really want to lose all those sales on Sony for an exclusivity deal, or do you want to draw everybody to Games Pass to get it? You know, maybe timed exclusive, where it's like, oh, it's on Games Pass, it's on Games Pass a month early, or you can wait till everyone else. Of course, they're going to do something like that. Or, really, it's just a smart investment, because like you said, even if the new Elder Scrolls is released on every system, Microsoft now profits. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um so yeah people had all kinds of takes yesterday from like oh they won't actually make those exclusive why would they blah 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 and my thinking behind it is like you don't pay 7.5 billion to not do something exclusive with those IPs Mm -hmm. you just don't and like uh, you know Microsoft we've talked about before how Microsoft has made a lot of pro consumer moves lately obviously Mm -hmm. making things that were previously third party exclusive isn't exactly pro consumer uh, but I mean, like the the optics of it, though, is like, all right. So now you have Starfield, which Jez Corden at Windows Central said it too, and I, I fully agree with him that that one's going to become an Xbox exclusive for sure, mm-hmm. uh, because that's that's a system seller game probably easily. Uh, even though we haven't seen it yet, but I mean, we know that Bethesda's upgraded their engine a bunch and everything. You've seen the, the teases of Elder Scrolls with the new graphics technology they're using. Uh, mm. So without Starfield being announced for any platforms yet, that one's an easy sell to bring to Xbox. It's a brand new IP. Why wouldn't you make it exclusive? They need they need to, honestly. They really need to. Elder Scrolls, on the other hand, though, like we, we were talking about, does it doesn't really make sense to make that exclusive and lose out on all the sales? I don't know. Part of me thinks, like, you know, every, every Bethesda game now, or Zenimax, whatever you want to call them, is going to launch day one on Xbox Games Pass. If, if that's the case, that, that lends a lot of credence to my theory that Xbox is going kind of the Netflix of games route, which is like we now have a ton of exclusive content that you don't have to pay extra for. We are the, we are the best deal in gaming, which they already are an amazing deal in gaming. But if they get all of these exclusive titles, all, all of ZeniMax's library free on Games Pass... It's game over. It's, I mean, it's done. It, that's yeah. yeah, that's what they're doing, um, and it's pretty clear now. You know why I keep buying up? The reason they're buying up so many studios is, is, I think, it's pretty clear. Is like, you know, Netflix keeps you engaged with the platform by releasing something new, original every <laughs> few months, right? No, every single month. Yeah, well, Netflix, so, now, now every single month, Netflix has new original content just for you. Xbox wants to do the same thing. Well, so they have. Netflix has new original content every month. Gaming works a lot differently, so I don't think they of copy course. that exact model. But I mean, right? You know what they're and they're already doing it though, because if you look at Obsidian, right? So they have they just did the Outer Worlds, then they have a smaller game from a smaller team in Grounded. Mm-hmm. Now they're working on Avowed, 
and another IP too. So I think what Microsoft is really about to do is, okay, we have all these studios, each, you know, each one is, has their strengths. Let's let them work on these big marquee titles, right? Mm-hmm. And then your you have tentpole titles, if you will. Yeah, your tentpole titles. And then you have smaller teams within those studios that are working on smaller, more experimental games. So just like Netflix, you know, you have your, uh, your Stranger Things, your Ozark, you know, all these tentpole series. Mm-hmm. And then all these little smaller experimental like Dragon's Dogma anime, for example. <laughs> which apparently is getting really bad reviews by the way oh uh, yeah I've heard. you know <laughs> launching in between to keep people interested but waiting mm. for the next big thing so with 23 f- freaking studios now like <laughs> they are they are primed to do that i'm actually mm. like you know I, I i'm still disappointed we haven't seen a lot of xbox yet like we haven't seen enough right to really get you engaged but like they have the building blocks there to make this stuff now Mm-hmm. They have established studios that have great track records. I mean, every studio they bought from Bethesda is like an average of an eighty, like an eighties Metacritic studio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's there's very little room for them to actually fuck up this. I think, to be honest. Well, you know, this is something that Yahtzee and I over on Slightly Civil War, which you can watch over at EscapistMagazine.com. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is something we talk about a lot, which is that bigger studios often forget the little indie games because they've just coalesced into nothing but tent poles. Look at Naughty Dog, who mm-hmm. now only makes big games and has forgotten about the little weird ones. And so if you have a Netflix-type model where you need the big tentpole games and then you have the little guys just to drape over the tentpole, to, uh, to keep people engaged while we make the next tentpole, that system could lead to a lot of artistic games, a lot of weirdo games. I mean, it already won't is. won't be mega popular, but will will appease all of us arty farty fucks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I, that's the thing. Like, when you look at Xbox's lineup, even, you know, they haven't shown gameplay. Well, like, let's be clear about this. They haven't shown right. gameplay yet, so we don't know what's really going to come or not. But I mean, when you watch their lineup from a few months ago, like Everwild, it looks like a very different title that you've never really seen before kind of game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the past, they've had exclusives like Viva Pinata, which is like a farming simulator game, basically, <laughs> which right. I also love. <laughs> that game was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so they have a lot they have a lot of room to work with. And that, that's what it really excites me about Xbox. Sony, I know what to expect, basically, at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, and I think that might actually be become one of sony's faults because how like how long are you going to keep people engaged with kind of like the same linear cinematic adventure games right right so you know i i'm really out of all this like especially now with them buying bethesda i'm really curious to see sony's response because like they have to be looking at games (laughs) pass we're like all right we need to offer something similar to this like we need to absolutely because absolutely now they're up to 15 million subscribers and they said they'd They've added 5 million subscribers in like the last six months. So, I mean, and now you've added Bethesda in there. You got Halo coming up. So, I mean, I, that, that subservice is going to be huge in another year, probably. Absolutely. No, there's no doubt about it. It's, it's poised itself to be finally the Netflix of games, which I think overall is a good thing, mostly because of what we just talked about, which is the fact that they can make experimental things 
because they, they, they don't necessarily have to worry about sales numbers as long as it keeps a certain percentage of their client base engaged and continue with Games Pass that game did its job. It's the same thing Netflix is doing. Like That's why Netflix gives money to the Coen brothers and Adam Sandler, because they know that different parts of their user base will be attracted to that and therefore it retains value. We can do the same thing with Xbox Game Pass. Game Pass, not Game, game Pass. pass like we, we got called out say. on that. Sorry about that. Next Twitter user. <laughs> I actually, by the way, I don't subscribe to Game Pass, but it's looking like I might just do it because it's honestly uh, an incredible value. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've been, and can't forget they're adding EA Play to it too at no extra card charge. I don't know what that means. It, it Like all of EA's backlog that they have on that service is coming to Games Pass. And eventually they, you know, after not too long, they end up adding like their, their newly released games into the service too. Mm. So, I mean, it's like, it's, you know, EA's version of Games Pass basically being added to games pass at no added cost so i mean now you got ea in there you have bethesda in there now you have yeah. xbox games studios <laughs> somebody, somebody on twitter was like you might you might as well add sony in there at some point too why the fuck not <laughs> you know like their business model is becoming clearer and this this is the thing that actually really excites me about something like the xbox series s which is i think i refer to it as you know the the roku of games, which is if you are a game, a Game Pass subscriber and you just want a box to have on your TV with all of your Game Pass games, that Series S is going to be a perfect fit at a tiny price point. It just makes so much sense. Oh, I, I, I've never shilled so hard for a company whose products I do not own. <laughs> like I don't have an Xbox currently. I, you know, I have right. a, a Windows PC. And I use their controller because it's the best controller. But like, I don't, I, and I did not get an Xbox One. So it's like, right. Well, I, I mean, this is getting me excited about Xbox. Well, and that's, yeah. And that's the nice thing about it is because, like, you know, um, they've been so far behind. It's, it's, it's fun to watch them be competitive again. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and the, you know, general, like, collective internet of like ps4 fanboys and all that stuff who are annoying all the time or you know xbox sucks has no games it's like okay but here they're coming eventually <laughs> you know like now like now yeah i mean it's it's been a fair argument for years now that xbox mm. didn't have exclusives fine but like you've seen what they're building and that stuff takes time like sony didn't just build those top tier first party studios mm. overnight it took a decade to get to where they are now Absolutely. It, it took a long time and they invested a lot of money into those studios so xbox and somebody on, on twitter also pointed out like xbox or microsoft's just doing the disney approach of just buying up property it's like okay but they're also they need to because people expect but, content so quick now and guess what it worked it, like <laughs> oh oh i i'm so shocked if you buy a popular thing you'll get more popular exactly right. the what i will say is obviously i just went on a whole big thing talking very positively about that there is a downside to game pass in general which is it further removes you from owning a thing uh but like we've we've done the same thing with netflix where the uh the general consumer would prefer quantity over 
quality. Yeah, I mean, how um, many people own their music anymore? How many people own their actual movies anymore? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think oh, you sure. need to, unless you're really a collector. It's like you don't go back to, but, well, you don't have time anymore to go back to the same <laughs> games every fucking well, year. But I think that is a genuine strike against Game Pass and a strike against Netflix and a strike against iTunes because you're only leasing your music and a strike against Steam because you're only leasing your games on Steam. You don't own yeah. your Steam games. Well, that's that's a whole other subject, but I mean like I think that the, the exactly. larger the larger potential downside to Games Pass and subscription services in general is that it's probably going to continue devaluing $60, you know, $70 games now. Mm-hmm. And I think and I don't think a lot of people have talked about it, Games Pass is probably, you know, we haven't seen Sony's version of it yet if they're doing something there, but I think part of the reason games are going to $70 if you're going to actually buy them is because of something like Games Pass taking mm. away a big chunk of the value of games like that. That might be true. So yeah, it's it's really interesting to see the little the little corners all of the consoles are staking yeah, out. Yeah, there's always a trade-off for this stuff. Like, you know, it's there's always always something. It's true, but it's going to be fun and it's we're we're going to have options and we're going to have push and pull, which is very exciting. Yep, and after saying I wasn't gonna pre order a Series X, I went ahead and did one today. So <laughs> I didn't I decided I didn't want to stream my Xbox games from my PC to my new TV. Mm. Okay. Yep. I didn't get one. I'll probably just play them on the computer. Yeah. I don't need I don't need it. I got a nice I got a nice little monitor there. I think you'll end up buying a Series S. I might. You know what? Like, <laughs> uh, right now, my PlayStation Four is my Blu-ray player, and so yeah, <laughs> like you know, when 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 my Roku breaks down, I might just get a Series S just to replace that, and then also play games on it. We'll see. There you go. We'll see. You know why? Pretty cheap, relatively speaking. I did say I was going to talk about cloud gaming this week, but we'll save that for next week now because Xbox buying Bethesda was cooler. So that's it. Thanks, everyone, for coming to this week's episode of The Escapist Show. Once again, my name is Jack Packard, semi-professional video game enjoyer here for The Escapist. And I'm Nick Landra, the editor-in-chief of The Escapist, and I made it the whole episode without destroying my office again. Look at you. You're a big boy now. Oh, my gold star, Omar. Put it, put it right on him. <laughs> oh, no, too much. <laughs> like, oh, the gold star I knocked literally, you down. I, I, just, I just smacked my chest and I hit the wire with it and I thought it was all coming down again. That would have been funny. Terrible. Bye. Bye.